Thank you for joining us today for the Gospel Light Baptist Church podcast with Pastor Brent Lenentine. We are a Bible-believing, Christ-honoring, gospel-centered church family located in Rio Rancho, New Mexico. We are motivated to love God, grow together, and serve others. If you would like to learn more about our ministry, please visit us at gospellightbaptist.org. Now we hope you enjoy today's message from Pastor Brent Lenentine. Turn your Bibles, if you would, to Colossians, the book of Colossians. We'll be starting here uh, in a new series, and so we'll be in the book of Colossians. So you'll find Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, and Colossians, those four great books right there together, kind of in the middle of your New Testament. Uh, and what a blessing that that is. In this new series, I think it'll be something, and pray now certainly, that it'll be something that'll really be a help to us. And I'm sure that some of this is something that you know already, but in the Gentile world, before the time of Christ, and also before the ministry of Paul, it was a very, very pagan place. The religion that they had, you would say, would be paganism. So the gods that they had, and these were ones that... Uh, formed over time by tradition. And they would have stories then they would be passed down from generation to generation. Most all of this among paganism would be polytheistic, and that is that they would have multiple gods. On the screen there, I know it's hard for you to see, uh, but there's a subtitle to it we'll look at later as we get further into this that comes from Acts chapter 17 where Paul is on Mars Hill. uh, And it deals really strongly with Uh, this matter of many, many gods uh, in um, the world before the the gospel and Christianity really started to spread. And so these gods then again were passed down from one person to another. And you would think, well, they were just folk tales or, uh, or stories, and so it wouldn't be very influential in people's lives. But the thing that made it really powerful was all the superstition that went along with it. If you did certain things that you weren't supposed to do, then the gods then could be mad at you and it would cause other problems to come in your life. Really, this was a mixture. Their belief system uh, in a spirit worship that they had was really a mixture of Jewish, Gnostic, and pagan influences that all came together in what you would call syncretism. Uh, specifically, it was addressed or called by many an angel cult, the worshiping of angels. Now, for Colossae, who they worship specifically was the, mar- was the archangel, I'm sorry, Michael. They believe that the archangel Michael many years ago came down right in their area and created a fissure in the ground which caused water to spring up from the ground. And this water then had healing powers to it. The people of Colossae would go there, but also people around from other areas would come there for the purpose of being healed by this water. Now when you put all the superstition in this, you'd understand that these pagan people and the leadership of them would get really upset if... Uh, you tried to change these traditions and their belief system. If a god got mad, then it could cause real problems for them in their daily lives. Now imagine, if you would, this short little kind of odd-looking man who comes into town with a couple of his friends and takes their tradition and turns it all upside down. That was a little bit of a problem, right? Their religious leaders were unhappy about it because people stopped attending their meetings, stopped worshiping their way, 
and started turning to this one called Jesus. Their merchants were really unhappy about this because the people stopped buying idols and their sales declined. The elderly people of the community were very upset about it because the younger people and others were turning away from the traditions of the fathers and all of this caused a real problem. <clears throat> this is one of the reasons why everywhere that Paul went, he was persecuted and often he went uh, not from motel to motel but from prison to prison. In fact, with that, the book of Colossians is one of the four letters that are called the prison epistles. And so we have Ephesians, we have Philippians, we have here in Colossians, these were church epistles, and then we have the book of Philemon, and all of them were written then from prison as Paul went, uh, as Paul was often found himself there. And so this Christianity and the message of Christianity began to spread more and more. Paul would often preach in different places in the public square. He would just preach boldly and publicly about Jesus Christ. But this is important to understand. For the most part, Christianity just spread person by person by person, and it was not so public. And so it's important for us to know that this message of Christianity and the work that Jesus left us here to do does not have to be popular, and it does not have to be um, public in order for it to be accomplished. In fact, here's what we understand. Jesus himself does not need to be popular. He just needs to be preached. Amen. Amen? That's what it is. That we don't need Jesus Christ superstar as it was in the hippie days decades ago. Jesus doesn't have to be the most popular person. He must be the most preached person. We must tell people about Jesus Christ. And so this is why we preach Christ. And so there's a theme here to the book of Colossians that really deals with centrally with the person of Jesus Christ. And that's exactly the message that is needed by us. And it's exactly the message that is needed today. So this particular message, and if you'll see in your bulletin there, there'll be a brief outline that you can fill in. But as we start out here, I believe then that there's really a thrust here about encouraging our faith. Encouraging our faith in Jesus Christ. And so <clears throat> Timothy comes, um, uh, Epaphras, they give a message to Paul about this church of Colossae. At this point, we believe that Paul had not been there to Colossae, but they give a message and they tell about the situation and the condition that's there. And Paul wants to encourage them and he wants to help to kind of refine their focus. And again, their focus was to be on Jesus Christ. And so he comes uh, and tries to encourage them in that way. Now we're going to be in Colossians chapter 1. In verses 1, if you are able to, if you'd stand, uh, just to stand for a moment and also for us to focus, if we would, here on these, the, the text, the first, actually, 11 verses. And so in Colossians chapter 1, in verse number 1, it says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, and Timotheus, our brother, to the saints and faithful brethren in Christ, which are at Colossae, grace be unto you, and peace from God our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. We give thanks to God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love which you have to all the saints, for the hope which is laid up for you in heaven, whereof ye heard before in the word of the truth of the gospel, which is coming to you as it is in all the world, and bringeth forth fruit as it doth also in you. Since the day we, you heard of it and knew the grace of God in truth, as ye also learned of Epaphras, I'm sorry, our dear fellow servant, which is for you a faithful minister of Christ, who also declared unto us your love and the Spirit. For this cause we also, 
since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and the desire that you might be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that you might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened in all might according to his glorious power unto, the, uh, unto all patience and longsuffering with joyfulness. The Heavenly Father, I pray that you'd bless and ask that you would lead and guide us now in this time as you would just speak to, your, to our hearts now through your word. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated in just a little bit here. We would understand now about this history of Colossae. And we'll just be very brief about this. But Colossae then uh, was an ancient city of Phrygia in Asia Minor. Um, and they'd show you maps and things like that, and they're often too small for you to be able to see it all. But if you'd heard in Revelation chapter 2 and 3 about the seven churches, and these are seven churches that were in Asia Minor. Now, Colossae was not one of them, but it's right there in that very same region. In fact, it is just immediately south of Laodicea, which was one of those seven churches. So it's right there in the area. It is what would be now in modern-day Turkey, and that's what you see there uh, on the map. Now, Colossae then used to be a really strong and a thriving city. Uh, there's kind of a layout of it here. And some of the things, they had a university. Obviously, they had a very, very strong marketplace, uh, and they had um, uh, kind of a, an upper-class district, if you would, uh, in the top uh, northeast side there of the city. Uh, and all of this just comprised then a very thriving city. In the 5th century BC, it was really known around uh, Asia that Colossae was a strong city and a wealthy city. It became that way because they were really a main exporter of wool and then also of different agricultural uh, products and that. Then what happened over time was is that the trade route that went along this uh, Lysus River Valley actually changed or rerouted. So we'll see there, if you see it, Laodicea, straight north of that is a place called Hierapolis. What happens is that Colossae is down the valley further to the east, and it was kind of a one-way trip. It was kind of in and out. And I joke about it this way. Every once in a while, we have somebody come to our church, and they say, I was just passing through, and we need this kind of help, and we wonder if you would help us. Now, very often, we do help them, but I always laugh to myself and say, nobody passes through Rio Rancho, right? You could pass through Albuquerque, but you don't pass through Rio Rancho. You come up here, and you go on to Southern, and you fall into a big ravine or canyon out there, so you're not just passing through if you came through here. So unfortunately, what happened over time was this trade route changed, uh, and uh, the problem was is that it cut Colossae off uh, from other parts of the world, and then everything declined for them, and so uh, they dropped simply to just an agricultural city, much smaller than what it was before. And then over time, obviously, in 1100, uh, it was really destroyed, and there's just the ruins of it. So that's a picture, a more modern picture, of some of the ruins of Colossae today. Now it mentions for us in here, and this is what's really important for us, is it speaks specifically to us about Epaphras. Epaphras, I stumbled on his name there a moment ago, but if you look there to see this, because this is so important. In verse number 7 it says, as you also learned of Epaphras, and then we understand two things here about him, which is wonderful. One, it says that he is a fellow servant, a fellow servant. And, and I want to say this if we can for all of us in the room. I hope that that is not 
a degrading or demeaning type uh, of, a ta- of a title for you because there really is nothing more important, more noble that we can do with our life than to be a servant of the Lord. Amen? The King of kings and the Lord of lords and for us to be a servant of the Lord. Moses was one of the greatest leaders that we see in all of the Bible. But when God addressed Moses, he called him Moses, the servant of the Lord. If that was a compliment for Moses, guess what? That would be a compliment for me also, amen? And that's what Epaphras was called. He said, we're a fellow servant. We're co-laborers together, uh, working and laboring for the Lord Jesus Christ. Here on this Roundup Day, we just encourage many people, invite your family, invite your friends, go out and give invitations to those that are here in our community. And you say, Pastor, what are we doing? We are being fellow servants for the Lord Jesus Christ. So Epaphras was a fellow servant. Just means he loved God, he served the Lord, He just rolled up his sleeves and he just was faithful in serving the Lord. But Epaphras was something more than that to the believers at Colossae. He was actually, we believe, their pastor. The first pastor of this first church that was here. Because it says that, uh, it it said he was a fellow servant in verse number 7, who is for you. Now Paul said for me and for Timothy and for all of this this team that's spreading the gospel, he is with us a fellow servant. But for you, he is a faithful minister of Christ. And so we'd understand that he was a fellow servant and that he was a faithful minister. Uh, and that means then that he uh, was their pastor. He had no doubt, like Paul, gotten arrested at a time where persecutions really increased under Nero and Rome. He no doubt had got arrested for preaching the gospel also. Because if you go to Philemon, as we said, one of the prison epistles also, it actually mentions uh, uh, Epaphras there. And he says that he was a fellow prisoner. So Epaphras was a fellow servant. He was a fellow minister that we believe was the pastor of Colossae. And he also then with Paul was a fellow prisoner. He was released ahead of Paul and he went to Uh, to Colossae and then carried back a message again to Paul and said here's how they're doing this is some of the problems that are rising and these are things that we'll look at as we go forward uh, in the Bible because I want to promise you this listen as sure as anything good is being done for the glory of God the devil's going to try to cause problems and one of the main ways that he causes problems is creating confusions beliefs, doctrinal confusions uh, about how to be saved, about who Jesus Christ is uh, in the Bible and all of these basic things. The devil then tries to stir up problems and create confusions uh, so that to get uh, God's people then off track. Now I want to say then this, and I think this is important for us to see, and that is that the blessings, the blessings that was of the church there, uh, this is important for us to understand. Next week we'll really look at this more carefully but look if you would ahead in chapter number one here in the book of Colossians and verse number 18 this is really a theme verse for this short four chapter book and so in Colossians 1 and verse number 18 it says this Jesus Christ he is the head of the body the church who is the beginning the firstborn from the dead that in all things that in all things that he might have the preeminence So it speaks there about the church. And I want you to understand that this church here, not my church, not the deacon's church, not some of the oldest, oldest church members' church. This is the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's his church that he purchased with his blood. And Jesus said, I will build my church. It's his church, amen? 
Now, we're supposed to be faithful ministers giving out God's message. We're supposed to be faithful to the Lord's church. But this is the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, so interestingly, it says then that these body of believers in all these different local churches. We have the church at Colossae and the church at at Philippi and the church at Thessalonica. And so all these different local New Testament churches were called then a body. And in the body, it tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and that, that it has many different parts to it. And that every part is important. And it says that one part says, you know, ear can't say, because I'm not an eye, I'm not important. Because every part of the body has its own purpose and importance, and it all joins together. But here's what's important right now, and that is that the head is the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? And so what we see in these verses is... Um, God trying to, Paul is writing here by inspiration of God, and God is trying to encourage his people as they're gathering together in his church there at a place that was called Colossae. And I believe then that these are important encouragements for us also that we would be encouraged uh, in these areas. Now, we're just looking at some of these verses here, but I want you to understand that there is a matter of thankfulness. Thankfulness. Now, I want to promise you this, every one of us in this room will be happier and more blessed if we learn to be thankful instead of grumpy and unthankful, amen? Now, God cannot bless a unthankful people. The fact of the matter is, is that God's been very, very good to us. He's given to us many, many blessings in this life, but he's also given to us blessings in heavenly places, and if you are saved then we are to lay up treasure in heaven where moth and rust do not corrupt and where thieves do not break through and steal. Here's what I want you to understand. God is good to us. Amen? And there's so much for us to be thankful for. And so it tells us right here, if we are uh, growing the Lord and if we are on the right path here, then we can learn how to be thankful to God, to God the Father and to Jesus Christ. And so it tells us now, it says in verse number three, we give thanks to God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so we need then, first and foremost, to learn to be thankful to God for what it is that God has done in our life. Now it goes through and it lists for us some different things then that we can learn then to be thankful for because God, again, of course, has been so very good to us and he has blessed us with so many different things that we can learn to be thankful for. And it lists those for us. And we'll see them in just a moment. But I want you to understand also that as you come to church and as we gather together, that God sharpens our thankfulness as we worship him together. In song, we give praise and we worship God. In testimony and in fellowship, we, uh, we, we brag on the Lord and give God the praise and the glory, and it helps us to be a people that is more thankful. Now, I want to be a prophet here for just a moment and say that for any of you that has been saved for any length of time, that's been faithful in a church for any length of time, you probably have got hurt by somebody somewhere along the line. You probably had somebody who dealt with you at some time in a mean spirit and not in a gracious, kind, or loving way. Now, what I want us to see is the example of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm going to give to you a verse here. Uh, and in Luke chapter 4, 
in verse number 22, the Bible says to us that all bear record, that all bear him witness, that all bear him witness about Jesus Christ and wondered at his gracious words which proceeded out of his mouth. And they said, is not this Joseph's son? Now, when Jesus spoke, the scribes and the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the lawyers, the doctors, and all of that were taken back by his words. Now, obviously, they were words that had wisdom beyond anything that they had ever heard from anybody before. That was true. But in somebody who was righteous and perfect with all wisdom and knowledge, you would think that Jesus could have been harsh and critical, even mean-spirited, towards all the rest of us because we didn't even begin to measure up. But the fact of the matter was is that Jesus was kind and gracious to us, and so we in turn can learn to be kind and gracious to others. Here's what I want to say to you overall. When you're in a good Bible-believing, Bible-preaching church, it strengthens our thankfulness, which brings us into a place of being more pleasing to God. Amen? And so I'd ask you the question, how's your thankfulness? Amen? Sometimes when you really care passionately about something, if you're not careful, you'll just get a negative spirit, right? If you really are passionate about something in this world that we live in, or in church life, or in your family life, business life, if you're really passionate about something, if you're not careful, you can find yourself getting really critical. But I want to say this about a church, the spirit of a church, which is made up of individual people of that church, born-again believers, that we need to be a people that are thankful, that we are people that are thankful. And I want to say this also, that we need to be people that are growing in our faith, growing in our faith. Here's the things that I wanted to show you here, which are so powerful. And so in verse number four, it says this, since we heard up, so Paul is rejoicing and thanking God for the believers that are there at Colossae. And he says this, since we heard of your faith, which you have in Christ Jesus, and the love which you have to all the saints. Verse number five, for the hope which is laid up for you in heaven, whereof you heard before in the word of the truth of the gospel. It's so interesting there that Paul rejoices in these three things. He said, I heard of your faith, and then he said, I heard of your love, and then he said, I heard of your hope. Now, I want you to hold your place there. Turn back towards the beginning of your Bible, several pages, and I want you to go to 1 Corinthians and chapter number 13. 1 Corinthians and chapter 13. Now, I want to point this out to you because I want you to understand how important these three things are to God. And it's all a vital part of really growing in your faith in Jesus. When you're saved, then, you're supposed to be growing in the Lord, okay? And growing the Lord has to do with a lot of different things. It is the matter of knowledge. It's a matter of knowing this Bible better. But there are some real critical things that actually deals, if you would, with our spirit and with our attitude. It is a work that God does in us. And when God is doing this work in us, it makes a huge difference in what comes out of us. Amen? And that's why God wants this to happen. Now, we saw there where it said faith and where it said love and where it said hope. Now, let's look in 1 Corinthians 13, and it talks there about this whole thing of charity. Now, I want to define this for you and say that charity is love, but it's more powerful than that. It is actually love in action. 
Think of you would today that we have charities, okay? So you have a charity maybe that distributes food to the poor. You have a charity that maybe helps with clothing or helps to pay for utilities uh, for in, or, or rent in order to help to keep a person in their home or something like that. Charities. What is charity? It is love with hands, amen? It is love with feet. It is love with a heart, amen? It is love that causes us to do something for somebody else. And isn't that the Bible definition of love? Listen to this. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. So that's the kind of love that you see in the Bible. Not a fleshly lust, but a love that motivates us to do something important for somebody else. So it is love, okay? So now, when we deal with the matter of charity, love and action, we'll come to 1 Corinthians and we'll come down to the end. So in 1 Corinthians 13, in verse number 13, it says this, Now abideth faith, hope, and what now? Charity. Now we said that charity is what now? Love, love, love. But specifically, it's love in action, right? So now abideth three things, faith, hope, and charity, these three the greatest of these is charity. Now, the reason why I point that out is because the very thing that Paul identified with these believers, and here's how Paul said, you're really growing the Lord, you are right on target. Now, they had some other problems because they were in an area where they had a lot of temptation and a lot of false doctrine. But here's how Paul's encouraging them. He said, you are right on target because you are growing in these three. Okay, And we want to make sure that that's very real to us too. That we are really growing in our faith. That we believe God. That we believe the word of God. That we're reading the Bible because we believe that it is God's book. And so we're faithful there to do that. We're growing in our faith. We're also growing in our love. A love for the Lord. A love for each other within this church. And obviously, of course, a love for our community. For God so loved the world. And we want to try to tap in just a little bit more to the vision that God has for this whole world. And he wants them all to hear about Jesus. Because Christianity does not need to be popular, it just needs to be preached. Amen? And so we need to make Jesus known. And we need to preach that and preach that and tell people about Jesus Christ. And so we see there in the last part of verse number 5, they got saved. They heard the gospel. They believed on Jesus Christ. And when they got saved and when they believed on Jesus Christ, now they started to grow in faith and in love and in an expectation of the coming of Jesus Christ, looking forward to Jesus and what he would do in our lives. Now listen, why is it important for us in church? Uh, what's the blessings of church? I want to say one is that it grows our, our thankfulness. Two, it helps to grow our faith. And I want to say this also, that it helps to grow our prayer life. How many of you think, and I do want you to actually raise your hand on this, how many of you think from time to time, I probably need some prayers in my life, amen? All right, probably all of us should raise your hand, and I'm sure you raised your hand at least on the inside, right? Because the fact of the matter is, is that as we go forth to this life, there are problems and difficulties, and we do need prayer. Now, one of the amazing, amazing benefits and blessings of being a part of a church is that we get to be a part of that whole prayer cycle. That is that we get prayed for, we get to pray for others, and we get to be, a, as Jesus said, my house shall be called a house of prayer. And so we get to pray one for another. So we see then that Paul prayed for them. That was verse number three. We see that. Then we also see that Epaphras, their pastor, prayed for them. In verse number seven it says, 
says, as ye also learned of Epaphras, our dearly beloved, uh, our, our dear fellow uh, servant, who is for you a faithful minister of Christ. And then it goes on, and it says in verse number nine, it says that we do not cease to pray for you. You go over in chapter four, this is the part I want you to see about Epaphras, but you go over in chapter four, in verse number 12, it says this, um, and it's not, uh, oops, I'm in chapter three, that's why. So chapter four, in verse number 12, it says this, Epaphras, who is one of you, a servant of Christ, saluteth you always. He greets you, look what it says now, laboring fervor for you, in what now? Prayers. Prayer's hard work. And prayer is spiritual work. But it says about him, the pastor, that he labored fervently for you in prayers that you may stand perfect, mature, and complete in all the will of God. And so Paul prayed and Epaphras, their pastor, faithfully prayed. And then I want to say that this church prayed one for another. So I want to say one of the amazing blessings about being a part of a church is that we have people that be praying for us and we in turn will be praying for them and we need prayer one for another. Now, sometimes as a young person, we don't understand the importance of that as much. But I promise you as we get older in life, we understand just how much we need prayer. Our responsibilities get greater, the burdens that we carry get bigger, and at the same time, our faith matures just a little bit more to understand that Jesus his hand and his help in my life is truly what I need the most. Amen? Yeah, and so you come to a place where we believe in prayer, where prayer is important, where a pastor pray for you, a spiritual leader pray for you, also a church that would pray for you, also within our groups, which are so amazing, for the adults to gather together in kind of these Bible study groups where you have fellowship and really pray one for another. The prayer in there is very personalized uh, towards the needs of different people. And so we want to be praying, if you would, one for another. And then also this, and that is Bible teaching. Bible teaching. This Bible teaching, as you'll see in verse number 10 and 11, it says that you might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing. How do you please God? How are you fruitful in every good work? Increasing then in the knowledge of God, learning more about Jesus and knowing God more and more as you go forward. Strengthened with all might according to his glorious power unto all patience and longsuffering, it says, <coughs> with joyfulness. And so I want to say then that some of the blessings of church is to grow in our thankfulness and then also to grow them uh, in our, our faith in Jesus Christ and to grow in our prayers, in our prayer life, one for another. And then also to grow through Bible teaching. The Bible says that faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. And so as we're here and under the Word of God, we will grow in the Lord. So chapter 1, as you go out to verse 18, it says this, Jesus Christ, that he is the head of his church, the body, which is his church. And the blessings and the benefits of that is told to us that when we're a part of a church, we will be growing the Lord. Throughout the years, I've had people say to me, Pastor, Pastor, uh, I can be a good Christian uh, and not go to church. They'll say, I can read my Bible if I don't go to church. I said, okay, I'll give that to you because a believer should be reading his Bible, not just in church. But let me ask you a question. Since you've been out of church, has your Bible reading increased or decreased? You always know the answer to that. Sometimes they're willing to answer. Sometimes they're not willing to answer. 
But we all know the answer to that. Let me ask you this question, would say, since you've been out of church, has your prayer life strengthened and increased or has it decreased? Hey, let me ask you this question. Since you've been out of church, has your witness of Jesus Christ strengthened and increased or has it decreased? And we know the answer to that, right? Because as we're in church, we're encouraging one another, provoking one another to love and to good works. And that's what happens then through the church. But here's what I want you to understand. The very last one, and just write this down if you would. As we go through Colossians, here's what we're going to find out, that it's all about Jesus Christ. Listen, we're going to see some different problems they had. They had problems because of false teaching. They had problems of persecutions because they were in an environment all around them where people had a very different belief. And they were very superstitious about that belief. And they were not happy about people who were departing from that belief. And so because of that, there were persecutions that were pressing on them as they were living the Christian life in a very pagan world. The problems that come along with that. Financial hardships, because you get excommunicated sometimes. Difficulties and pressures that come on your family and uh, in your children. The persecutions and pressures upon the Christian church that you attend now. All these different types of things. So Paul writes to him and he encourages them. And he said, you're on the right track. And man, you're doing good. And just keep going forward and just be faithful in church. But then he goes on from there and he says this. But understand, though problems in life are many, answers are few. Yea, singular, it's Jesus. Jesus is the answer. Amen? And so in a book where the believers had problems and lots of struggles, is also, by no coincidence, it's also a book that has a central theme of Jesus Christ. Amen? Jesus Christ. And that's why I want to promise you this. What's needed today is not psychology. <laughs> What's needed today is not just the promotion of social programs or political correctness, if you would. What's needed today is the message of Jesus. Amen? Amen. And understand this. Jesus does not need to be popular. He just needs to be preached. We need to tell people about Jesus and tell people about Jesus and tell people about Jesus. So let me ask you this. Have you, hearing the gospel of Jesus Christ, have you believed on Jesus Christ and been saved? Have you been born again through faith in Jesus Christ? Jesus died for our sins because we're all sinners. Then he was buried three days and then he rose again victorious over death, hell, and the grave. And Jesus is the only one who can save you. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no man cometh unto the Father but by me. So there's no other way to be saved but through faith in Jesus Christ. And then I want to say, if you are saved, are you growing? You're growing in the Lord in your faith. Are you growing in your love? Are you growing in your hope day by day? Because those are so central to the Christian life. And God has placed you in a place where God would encourage you or beckon you to come into this place where you can be helped and where you can continue to grow in the Lord and so that we can keep our eyes on Jesus Christ. Listen, we just passed our 33rd anniversary for the starting of Gospel Light Baptist Church. So we started Gospel Light Baptist Church. I started Gospel Light Baptist Church by the leading of God 33 years ago. Back then, 33 years ago, we had a very simple theme 
and it was making much of Jesus. And it's been a theme that we have carried forward throughout all of these 33 years and have no intention of ever turning away from that because it is all, listen to me now, it is all about Jesus. Amen? Let's pray if we would all over. And if you're not saved, I want to say that today is that day for you to respond and to come and to believe on Jesus Christ and to be saved. I want to encourage you also that if you're saved, that God wants you, wants you to be baptized. He wants you to be growing in the Lord. And all over now, we need to come and to obey the Lord. We're ready to baptize now. We're after this next service at 11. We baptize in deep water, being placed under and brought up uh, after your salvation, baptized after your salvation. It's an ordinance of the church. Obviously, no church should ever, 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 ever charge for baptism. And, of course, we don't. And I want you to understand that God calls us to be baptized after we believe in Jesus Christ and after we're saved. And all over now, we need to be growing in the Lord. The Heavenly Father, I pray that you'd bless in this time. And please speak to our hearts and help us now with this as we start today. Hi, this is Brent Lenentine, and before we go, I want to say thank you for listening to this podcast. It is our prayer that today's message has encouraged and helped you. If you have any questions about how to be saved or your Christian walk, we would love to connect with you. Please visit us at gospellightbaptist.org. If you live in the greater Albuquerque area and don't have a church home, We hope that you'll visit with us soon at Gospel Light Baptist Church in Rio Rancho. And if you do have a church home, then I pray that you are able to attend there. Every person needs to be faithful and accountable in a local church where they can grow and serve. This podcast is a supplement to your spiritual growth and let it encourage you to be more for Christ. Again, our website is gospellightbaptist.org. Thank you for listening, and have a great week. Thank you for tuning in today. If you were listening for the first time, we believe the most important decision you could ever make is the decision to know Jesus in a personal way. To find out more about that, please visit gospellightbaptist.org slash Jesus. If you are a regular listener, we want to thank you for your time, and we would ask that you subscribe to this podcast, and also take a moment to share it with others on social media. Until next time, may God richly bless you.